January 12th, 1967, Dr. James Bedford becomes the first person to be cryogenically preserved with intent of future resurrection. I was going to make a joke that this contradicts the flawless timeline of the Austin Powers films, but I checked <laughs> and it actually doesn't. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is a fabulous, fabulous comedian. So glad to finally have her on. Please welcome Lizzie Wolfson. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is fun. Thank you for being here. Um, now, listeners, this is a very special episode in that we are in a danker uh, place than usual. Um, yeah. We are in You're the... In. Uh, yep. You're getting uh, high in the marijuana room. <laughs> yep, it's definitely not a narc right there. Yeah. <laughs> he smokes He smokes a lot of weed, huh? <laughs> I don't know what you call an opium den for marijuana. I guess a college dorm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like a Dave Matthews concert or something oh, like that. Let me rephrase. A college dorm unless it belongs to Brian Flynn. Yeah, that is true. Not cool enough. Uh, no, we are in the basement of Mutiny Information Cafe. Uh, willingly, we are not trapped. Um, I'm not there. No, Zach is not. Zach is free. Um, hashtag not trapped. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is the first stop on our tour of Denver basements. Um, (laughs) so we'll be here. We'll be in the Molly Brown house. Uh, we'll be in the governor's mansion. Uh, so don't let that get around. uh... I think the FBI has two active serial killers in Denver, so uh, if the episodes stop, he found the wrong basement. (laughs) There's only so many basements. There's only so many. (laughs) Wait, is that true about the serial killers? No, I made that up. Okay, now he's scared. Good. Now he's scared for the next hour. Perfect. Uh well, but uh, I do like the idea of you just going to people's house and asking if you can record a podcast in their basement. <laughs> yeah, no one likes that idea. <laughs> That's that is I just actually... said explicitly that I like it because I don't have to be involved. You mean one person likes that idea? <laughs> I'll bet our listeners would like it too because again, they don't have to do it. Uh, Well, listeners, if you're new to the show, what we do each episode is we take a topic from history. One person presents the actual, official, uh, government-sanctioned version of events. And another person comes up with an off-the-wall, bonkers, batshit, alternate history. And the winner uh, gets to become the truth uh, on the Webernets. Right now, we're sort of talking about... Webernets. Yeah, Which is, I, I think, a, a cartoon in uh, the morning newspaper, possibly. The Webernets. Yeah, I think it stars some ducks. There you go. Yeah, funky Webernets, I think. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, sounds God, right. I'm old. Also, uh, listeners, um, because of equipment malfunctions, Lizzie and I are sharing a microphone. Um there is a condom on it. Don't worry. We're making yeah. this safe and sound in a basement where we might get there's, murdered. There's two options for that. Either the machines have begun their takeover or the machines aren't going to take over, but have decided they do not like this podcast. Yeah, they're not starting here. They're not starting here in Denver, for sure. Um, uh, last time we talked about um, Ernest Shackleton with uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Dahl. 
Yeah. And uh, that episode was an absolute fever dream to get through um, and so much fun. And the uh, the listener vote has determined that the alternate history has won out. Uh, yeah. Zach, do you remember anything about the alternate? Of course. History? The basic premise is that Ernest Shackleton was Ernest of the Ernest Goes To series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe we determined that one day he was frozen and one day he will rise again. Sort of in a Dalai Lama-esque ritual where he'll like pick, <laughs> he'll pick Vern's hat or something. Yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah, Jesus something like that. Christ. <laughs> I love this. Um, well, this time, uh, this is another big fucking episode. Um because we're going to be talking about Amelia Earhart. Um, so, Lizzie, you're going to be doing the true story. And, Zach, you're going to be doing the alternate. Mm-hmm. So, Lizzie, whenever you're ready, yeah. take it away. Hey there. This is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash therevisionists. I do think it's Amelia Earhart is actually very interesting. Uh, I thought, as I did the research and stuff, um, not so just for her one flight because that's her most famous thing that she did was just the one flight trying to go around the world. Um, the one and and one of her f- the flight that did not work out. Exactly, that's exactly why it's so interesting is because it's the one that she failed at. Like she did so many other things, um, and the thing that makes her most famous is is one thing that she failed at, um, which is great for women history. You know what I mean? Like, how did we get there? Um, <laughs> and how surprising. Right, exactly. That she did. Everybody told her not to do it because she was a woman, and turns out it killed her. But uh, I do think uh, if we're going to just talk about, like, her beginning and stuff like that, um, she, it's not like she started in a plane. Um, she was, you know, she wasn't born in a plane. She she had to get there somehow, you know, through her age. <laughs> she, um, and also I would like to say, just to start off, because I might keep on saying this over and over again, uh, she was definitely lesbian. So if we're just going to say, we're going to start off with that. Um, she's definitely, uh, I, I am also a lesbian, so I can say it. Uh, it's okay. Um, but she did a lot of queer things <laughs> growing up, and I love that part of it the most, actually. That's the most fun. Um, so she grew up um, with like a kind of normal household and whatever. Um, her dad was a little bit of a drunk. Her mom um, came from money. Um, so uh, that's kind of how they had their money most of the time. Um, she did grow up at one point uh, and was known for uh, wearing pants most of the time, uh, which was not normal back then. Um, so she was wearing boomers, which was like kind of like a, and, and almost kind of lies into her, like her style later, which I think is really interesting. Um, but she was definitely like adventurous. She would try to hang out with the boys all the time. She was trying to like, you know, um, they made like a roller coaster one time and flipped it and she she kept on trying to make it and like, yeah, just like fun dude things. Also, I did the same thing growing up. So <laughs> just grew up in a different time. I was born in 89, a little bit different. Uh, I was allowed to she, hang out with the boys. <laughs> she grew up in uh, Kansas, a place so boring that even flying over it sucks. Exactly. And that's the, why she wanted to get out. She wanted to fly out of there. Um <laughs> She chose a tornado um, and then chose a plane. Um, 
um, <laughs> both choices equally dangerous at the time. Right. Also, very interesting too. She also uh, they don't talk much about her mother, uh, but her mother was the first person to, or sorry, the first woman to um, hike Pikes Peak, which is one of Denver's or one one of Colorado's 14ers. It's outside of Colorado Springs, um, so that comes back to us a little bit, uh, which is kind of cool because it's not like she spent that much time in Colorado. Um, so she began taking flying lessons in 1921, um, and then she immediately purchased her first plane uh, that she called the Canary, uh, which is like a yellow plane, which I think is kind of cool. It'll come back again. Um, but just very flashy. I like the flashiness of it, you know? She's fancy, you know? Um, which I am too. I would buy a yellow plane. What color plane would you buy? No? Um, yeah, I think uh, as a person, I, I would first of all not buy a plane Based uh, as okay. I am a fear-based person, <laughs> <laughs> so who uh, would uh, would prefer other people to do my flying for me? If it was a bicycle, what color bicycle would you get? Again, the fear factor right. is going to okay. be a problem. All of it's too quick. I get it. <laughs> sneakers, uh, you'd have to walk in sneakers. Yellow sneakers? Yeah, I mean, no, maybe okay. like, can we go back to some kind of? wheelchair or i don't know oh, yeah. um I mean, specialized track that i could put in <laughs> you also say what wheelchair else? like it hasn't been invented before maybe maybe you know those things like uh in old movies that old people have that's like the rail that goes up the stairs for there them there you go that's yeah, good i'd get, a, I'd get a yellow a yellow one of those there we go we could call that the canary too the lame canary is what you would have uh, yeah. she had the cool canary though um so she did start flying it was like her whole thing there were other women who are flying there were other um world war one and two both had women um so it wasn't like she was the first woman but she started like breaking out and really like showing <laughs> now off. I'm, huh i'm just picturing like a propaganda poster for world war one and or two that just says at the bottom now with women yeah, uh, uh, plus some women <laughs> who actually did a lot. Um, but uh, they, so she did like her whole, again, her whole thing really was that she was just, it was like world records. That's all she was trying to do. You know mm. what I mean? Like she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't saving people like that. Um, she was a nurse at one point in World War One, um, and ended up getting sick from a flu at the end, uh, which yeah, later the... would actually hurt her with her, all of her um, aviator stuff because she consistently had problems with her ears and stuff yeah, like that. The, during the Spanish flu outbreak of like Spanish 1918, flu. which killed quite mm -hmm. a lot of people. Yeah, so she was lucky to get out of there. So she was always definitely, um, she wasn't, she was never going to be a wife that stayed at home and, you know, had kids and do, she wanted to get out there and do stuff and get her hands dirty. Um, she was the first woman to fly over the Atlantic, which was kind of one of her first records that she broke. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was also the one um that she also, she mostly flew with men, <laughs> which is also funny to me too, that she, she wasn't, most of the stuff that she did wasn't solo. Um, she was normally flying with men, but um, they definitely like kind of built that idea of her up. Um, when she first started flying also, um, she, when she first started getting lessons, um, she wanted to look more like men that were also flying. So she cut her hair short and she got a used leather jacket and she slept in that leather jacket for months so that it would look more worn. Um, gay mm. 
just going to say, <laughs> mm-hmm. if I had a nickel for every lesbian that I know that has slept in their leather boots to make them look worn. <laughs> and I remember reading during those lessons, she had to like, her family gathered up like a thousand bucks for her, which in, you know, 1920s money or whatever was like, I don't know, a million dollars, I guess. And she had to take the bus to the end of the line and then walk four additional miles every day to get to her flying lessons. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like something my grandpa would have said, too, no, <laughs> you know, enough. to get to their flying lessons. Um, but yeah, she did have to she did have to work pretty hard for that. Again, the only reason they didn't have money was because of her dad. Her dad was just a he was a lawyer, but he was a drunk. He had like a shitty family. Her mom came from money, but her mom's family didn't like her dad. And so they didn't give them a lot of money. They didn't like the shitty drunk who was probably abusive or whatever. So, um, um, let's see. She, she did do a lot for women's rights and stuff like that. She did. Uh, she was friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, um, which is pretty cool. Again, gay. Um, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna knock them all down right here. I think it's weird that you picked me for this one, but I get it. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Um, <laughs> um, she, she did a, she wrote a book. Um, she was one of the people that started the 99 club, um, which is still around right now, which was, um, the first, uh, women that were in, that were pilots. Um, so there was the first group was 99 women. Um, I think they, I think they called on like 150 women that had licenses and only 99 came. Um, and actually, my best friend is part of that club still. Um, yeah, we still don't have that many women that are um, pilots, um, especially private uh, pilots. Um, and she is part of that. Um, I think there's only something like five or 6,000 women or something like in it. Yeah, it really hasn't grown since whatever, 1920-something or whatever. Um so, yes, she has a bunch of accomplishments. She set speed records. Uh, she flew over the Atlantic. She Height was a big thing, too. She went. She was one of the first women to go 18, uh, over 18,000 feet in the air. Um, and she also married... Oh, I, sorry, I forgot my computer Putnam, that had everything. George Putnam, Putnam, I think is his name. George yeah. Putnam, right, was her husband, uh, which also is very interesting, too. Um, Putnam was married, uh, then divorced and married, uh, and then ended up being with Amelia like right after that. Um, some people thought that there might have been some weird crossover. Um, yeah? What I read about it, it sounded very like she was engaged to another guy whose name I don't remember. They broke it yeah. off shortly before. And then this guy asked her to marry him like six times before she was like whatever fine but we're not having a honeymoon and it's gonna be the coldest marriage yeah so everybody does say that this was actually also revolutionary for marriages where people really do believe that they got together um out of convenience um and she even wrote him a letter at one point saying let's try this for a year and if it doesn't work I'm totally cool with bailing. Um, there was some maybe polygamy as- uh, aspect to it too, where they were having other relationships on the side. Um, but it sounded like the reason that they got together was more um, because they enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. I, 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 the, uh, the <laughs> we'll, other... we'll add it in there. <laughs> See, the also like Eleanor and Franklin Roosevelt too, like for that. Yeah. And they were good friends. That's true. And they probably not deserved. high in there. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they're priorities. Sorry. <laughs> No, I did, yeah, I saw that uh, 
in their vows or in a letter shortly after they got married, she said something about like, I won't hold you to the standard of fidelity and you should not hold me to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and which is cool also that they can, you know, she was, she, both of them wanted a career and that was the biggest thing. They didn't care about, you know, they had, they were supposed to get married, but it was fine. Um, and he also definitely helped, um, boost her and like use her as as a you know um helping with women's rights and things like that and also making money too they needed money to buy Mm -hmm. these planes that they were doing all these tricks with and stuff like that um and and that's that's important to be able to do that um she was already creating fame before she went around the world she was already creating that um within the communities um which is cool you should definitely she, women. She also, Oh, she had a book when she was growing up. I don't know if you read about this. She had a book, um, where she would keep, uh, articles of women who did men's jobs. So she oh, would, yeah, she, did, yeah. yeah. So she had, she had a spank bank too, uh, which is so cool. I think that's really cool. Um, I would masturbate to women, uh, who, you know, were mechanics also. So I get it. I get what she was doing, uh, where she was at. Um, so anyways, obviously her big flight was going to be the one around the world. Um, and she had a bunch of issues with it. Um, she did also have another guy in the plane. Um, do you remember his uh, name? Noonan was Everybody his name. Everybody forgets his name. Nobody else name. really cares. Noonan. Right, right, right. Noonan. Um, I'm very bad with facts. I wasn't good in history class, but I can talk and people like my personality. So <laughs> that's how I passed high school and college. Um, yeah. Personality. Um, so she did go and navigate with Fred Noonan. Um, uh, and they almost made it was the whole thing was they almost got there. They flew around. Um, they had some problems. They got the plane fixed. They did the whole thing. Um, but the idea was not how fast they could do it, but just that they could get around. Um, and then they ended up um, disappearing, I guess, is the idea. Most likely crashing um, right around New Guinea um, on their last leg of their trip. Um most likely, I mean, there's obviously the other thing that she's most famous for is being the most famous missing person because um, they never did find her. And so that was the biggest thing, too, was that there was a lot of, you know, but um, disappearing at, you know, New Guinea and then um, uh, them not finding the plane or him or her body or all that other stuff. Um but still an icon, you know, still, if yeah. you really think, what I think is cool is that, she, name another pilot, mm-hmm. name another famous pilot. Well, I just read the article, so I'm going to say Charles Lindbergh, but oh, I, mean, right. okay, I also there you go. just read. <laughs> you just read it. Uh, name but, another famous pilot who was not a Nazi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, it's like Baron it's von Richthofen was before the Nazis. <laughs> um, um, but also, Soli like, yeah, Solenberger. Like the, there we go. Yeah, there, yeah, Tom Hanks, fucking fine. Uh, but still, like, it's it's the a thing list. about her is like the last like two per like one percent less than one percent of her life is the yeah. thing people remember. Like we were talking about well, earlier. And she well, also found... did say that this would be her last flight. So then there's also yeah. like this idea too of being a missing person and being like, did she end up? you know, on an island and she lives there. Did, you know, the Japanese take her? Did, and, um, you know, aliens, whatever you want to think. Um, 
But she did say she was done after this was, and she wasn't. So, you know, to die at the very end, um, you know, maybe bad juju on her part. She probably should have not said that it was her last flight because uh, it ended up being her last flight. <laughs> there was a lot of took. tech. There was a lot of technical stuff about how there might have been flaws in the radios, like they couldn't go to a high enough frequency to communicate with the ship right. that was nearby, and like there was a storm, so they couldn't direct each other because the radios weren't properly communicating, and so right. she was basically just lost over the sea, running out of fuel. Oh, the other fact that I heard about her too, which I thought was interesting, is obviously all of these flights would take a long time, um, and this this last leg was like she was in there for like twenty hours or something like that. One of the things that she used to do was wear men's underwear, um, and she would have like a little like funnel um, so that she could pee in in the plane. Um, gay. Also, it's just great idea. Great idea. She made a fake penis for herself while she was in the plane. Um, <laughs> is she a genius or did she want? I don't know. Who knows? And I'm okay with all of it. Yeah. Dude, it, I am okay with all of it. Um, she, like I said, she's definitely uh, very important for, for women in general. Yeah. You know? I, so, and, and cool to look at, especially even for pilots when we're still even now with so many pilots, there's still like... Five percent of pilots are women, or something like that. Like we're still not doing it yet, you know. Yeah, I, I just, and there's so much about her that I found I didn't know prior to doing this. Like her path to, I guess, celebrity, and I didn't realize how much at the time she was like a full blown celebrity of the time. Like she did this that cross country flight with this guy Stoltz, and she even said like, "Well, that guy did all the flying because she wasn't trained for right. it yet." But then she right. became like she worked for Cosmopolitan and had like clothing and yep. bag lines and did the yep. first she had flight a from fashion line. Honolulu to Los Angeles. Like she did all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. And she was called like Lady Lindy because she was the big female pilot of the time. After Charles Lindbergh. Right. And she also liked to go by AE, uh, yeah. which is cool. Um, again, also changing her name very normal with um, queer individuals and stuff like mm -hmm. that, trying to not be as feminine as she was. She did have a line of clothing at one point um, that they sold in Macy's, actually. And again, I feel yeah. like this was a lot of Putnam stuff of just kind of bringing her up and, and, and being like, we have a woman who fits the idea of what we want pilots to look like as a female pilot, you know, still a little bit on that masculinity side, um, and push it. Why not, you know? Also, Putnam, by the way, I think he ended up having, like, four... I think after her, she had, like, two marriages and then um, all unsuccessful. I don't even think he had kids or anything like that. So, you know, again, four, marriage, four marriages to women and nothing's working? Oh, you know, I get... They were together because it made sense and it seemed like they made a business deal um, and it worked really well for them and they seemed to there was never anything about them not getting along um, yeah it seemed more like a business deal though she told him straight up like listen i am not going by mrs putnam you might even yep. have to go by mr Earhart sometimes like i That's think there was girl. conflict <laughs> because at the time the new york times required that they to call wives by their husband's names and she right. was like yeah fuck that i don't want to do it see so and 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 again i don't want to just say that the only reason she did those things was because she might have been gay but um 
hit a lot of signs and that's also good for the queer community too to see that you know we we can do things also you know um even if she never came out it doesn't matter um but yes i think it was very cool that she was also just an independent woman which i think is the most important thing always independent between all the things that she did um and i miss her every single day (laughs) i'm sorry i didn't know how to end that how do i end that (laughs) how do i make it memorable Fuck. <laughs> well, we'll we'll play a clip of Candle in the Wind right here for about Thank thirty you. seconds. Thank oh, you. God, I can't afford that shit. Jesus. <laughs> All right, God. just do a cover. Do a do a knockoff just, Weird yeah, Al do cover, a cover, Brian. Come on. Do like and you lived your life like a, a torch in the blizzard. In the wind. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll just put that on loop then. Uh, Lizzie, thank you. Yeah, like a Zippo in a in a hurricane. In a- <laughs> yeah that yeah the fucking asylum version of candle in the wind mm-hmm. every week denver's own real nerds podcast sees a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world i think sometimes we're funny yeah sometimes when i'm talking not when you're talking not when you're talking oh, you know it might help if you told them that we're on itunes or on stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. But, Zach, whenever you're ready. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I'm going to, uh, for my, for the, the accurate account of Amelia Earhart, start near the end, um, there is, of course, speculation that she survived uh, the uh, the world circumnavigation, like the equator tour that she was doing with uh, his name was Fred Newton. I looked that up uh, as her navigator. Um, she went down near Howard's Island, and some people think that uh, she and Fred uh, went to Howard's Island, and that possibly her skeleton was recovered there. All of these theories are mostly debunked, and that's because. She didn't go to Howard's Island. She landed on Brigadoon, the city that appears <laughs> for one day this is like the every fifth ten time you years. brought up Brigadoon. Brigadoon is a very important part of history. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what Brigadoon is, of course, it's a mythical island that appears for one day every ten years. And from the perspective of the people on Brigadoon, only one day passes for every 10 years. Um, so she disappears and spends a few days, i.e. decades, recuperating on Brigadoon in the Brigadoon Hospital? The St. Jude's Brigadoon Hospital? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's way better than Brigadoon General. They yeah. A corporation, huh? They go everywhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, she had Blue Cross, right? This, uh, yeah, this maybe United. I don't know. Yeah, um, the they, you know what? Brigadoon has universal health care because they're leaps and bounds ahead of us. Um, <laughs> regardless, uh, she and Noonan wake up and they're like, "We got to get out of this place." And so they devise a plan to steal a ship and leave Brigadoon. Um, calling themselves the Oceans 2 because they were on the ocean and there were two of them. <laughs> and so <laughs> they devise a daring heist. Uh, Amelia crafts a wicker seahorse and gets inside of it. And while the ship guard came to look it out, George just stabbed him in the face. 
Fred just stabbed him in the face. And then when he was dead, <laughs> they took the ship. Dude. Pretty clever plan. So they took this ship and uh, sail out of Brigadoon and they begin their perilous journey uh, home. So uh, this journey would take quite a while, but she still had residual Brigadoon immortality keeping her young. So don't worry about that. Uh, eventually, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> they meet a witch who, of course, turns Fred Noonan. <laughs> a sea witch. I see you on, on, on an island, yeah. They meet an oh, island yeah, witch. Yeah. Regular. Regular witch. Yeah. Not a sea witch. Regular yeah, witch. An, an island witch. Uh, like an turns, Ursula type. But on, a, on an island. <laughs> Ursula when she's in human form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my Ursula. There you uh-huh. go. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the one that tries to, you know, thirst the trap the, the, the boring prince one. character. Yeah. That guy. That the one. sexy Ursula. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... So they, uh, this witch turns Fred Noonan into a pig. So, of course, Amelia has to stop the witch and turn Noonan back. And they continue God on. fucking damn it. I know. <laughs> they continue on their quest, where, of course, the sirens of the sea call out to them. Now, Amelia Earhart, being a woman, is unaffected by the siren's song, but Fred is not. <laughs> and he is pulled to their rocky shores, where they feast on one of his legs before, of course, Amelia slays them and recovers Fred, now short a leg. Weak men. I like this story. <laughs> yeah. Um, finally, they fail to another island where they meet a Cyclops. And uh, the Cyclops captures Fred. And uh, Amelia sneaks in to get him. The Cyclops asks, who's there? And stupid Fred says, Noonan, which the Cyclops mishears as no one, of course. Oh. And uh, of course. Amelia... <laughs> Amelia blinds the Cyclops, and he says, no one is hurting me. And so the other Cyclopses think nothing is wrong. Um, finally. <laughs> finally, they run across Scylla and Charybdis, and Fred gets hurt by Scylla and then Charybdis, and uh, Amelia has to save him from both. Anyways, they finally get home. <laughs> wow, you, I thought you were going to go way more in depth with the Odyssey there. They finally get home, and uh, finally, Noonan hits on a lady that uh, Amelia also had her eye on, so she shoots him with an arrow, and he dies. And that's the end of Fred. But Amelia, upon arriving home, instead of reclaiming her former, you know, fame and glory, goes into hiding. But why? Well, now we have to go back into the past and discover something about Amelia's history before her uh, expedition. So, back when she was a kid, Amelia went sometimes by nicknames like Millie or Mealy or uh, Melly. And so, in her second career, uh, she occasionally went uh, by the name Melly. She was sort of a shyster. She did simple cons on stupid rubes to get her money. <laughs> When she was a youngster, while her dad was a drunk, drinking it all away. Yeah. And she got, uh, she got a law degree on the sly, and she began repping dangerous, old-timey drug dealers like uh, Walter Whitman and uh, Stringer Graham Bell <laughs> and others of the sort. <laughs> Setting out a bunch of ads for her services, um, using the recent invention of the telephone, and uh, they went, better telly Melly, whenever you're in trouble. And so 
She became an official corrupt lawyer for drug dealers, people who did whatever was big before meth. I don't know. M- meth, p- beta meth. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so she was she was helping beta meth dealers, um, and she got uh, on her tail uh, an investigation led by none other than Robert Mueller, the negative third. Who, of course, was after her, and uh, she married into, uh, she married Putnam, her accountant, for all of her illegal dealings in a loveless marriage. Unfortunately, Putnam was also Robert Mueller, the negative third's brother in law. And so, uh, as the as the investigation got hot, she decided she had to do this expedition, intentionally get lost on Howard's Island, come back to L.A. and assume a new a new identity. It would be the perfect cover, but of course, she went to Brigadoon instead. But <laughs> she gets back to America around uh, the nineteen nineties, early two thousands. She picks up some plastic surgery and a new cover. And she becomes a local news reporter on the Denver NBC News affiliate. <laughs> and that is the real story of Amelia Earhart. That's a real and, story. <laughs> <laughs> and in case, you were, uh, in case you were wondering, there is a woman named Amelia Earhart on the local Amelia, news in Denver. Yeah, I did hear about that in Denver. And uh, people think that she was like reborn into that. <laughs> no, she was on Brigadoon. There's like been a couple. Of, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. That's the real story. That is the true story of what happened to Amelia Earhart. I was going to work originally a Wizard of Oz thing in there. And then when I remembered oh, yeah. the Kansas connection, I was like, oh, I should have done that. But too late now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. The Kansas thing is definitely, yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if a tornado yeah, that... came and picked up her plane and then flew it off or something like <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> yeah, She never, she never actually ran out of gas. It was just a tornado <laughs> and it yeah, <laughs> picked her, her up. Or she, like, married a tornado in a loveless marriage. Maybe she goes to Oz and she kills the wizard instead of the Wicked Witch and, like, takes over. But too late for that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Uh, Zach, thank you. Yep. Um, Before we we wrap up, listeners, I just want to remind you that you can always... uh, interact with us via the social meds facebook twitter instagram or revisionistpodcast.com um we're a proud member of the denver podcast network along with uh shows like motherfucker in a cape uh which is a great show uh which looks at like geek culture through the lens of uh underrepresented groups uh and it's really really great r Allen brooks hosts it he has a great uh comic series called the burning metronome you should check that out um, Lizzie, you host uh, Dead Hippie, a comedy show at Dead Hippie Brewing the last Wednesday of every month. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Um, yep, just normal comedy show at a newer brewery. It's only like three years old or something like that. It's op- it's uh, owned by a couple deadheads. Uh, it's real cool vibes. They always have music there, and um, we just do like a little monthly comedy show to, you know, bring comedy to old people too you know that's the most important thing it can't just be a young man's game we gotta make sure the oldies (laughs) like us too (laughs) and that's what i do yeah the olds need to laugh a little bit yeah there's gotta be a place where the olds can get comedy that isn't just old people talking about 
college campuses being too PC or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, an alternative uh, to that. Also, Lizzie is great. Uh, you can find her on uh, all the social media, too. Um, if you get a chance to see her, please, please do. Uh, Zach, you and friend of the show Shannon Camp are still hosting Predict-A-Cast, right? Yeah, that episode's still yet to drop, but sometime in January. Uh, our episode of uh, Josh Hollis, who created the artwork for this very uh, show. Uh, thank him for that again. We should do that more often. Um, his show, Predict-A-Cast, in which he and his co-host watch 10 minutes of a movie, predict what will happen in the remainder of the movie, and then finish it off. Uh, and come back and, and fill you in what came true and what didn't. Shannon and I are hosting an episode of that podcast coming out sometime this month. So uh, possibly out now. So uh, go ahead and check it out and check out other episodes of that show too if uh, you like that premise. Yeah, uh, Predicted Cast is great. And Josh Hollis is a wonderful man. Um, as for me, I co-host Queen City Companion right here uh, in the... Uh, first level of Mutiny Information Cafe, the f- uh, first Thursday of every month with Jen Colick, a uh, friend of the show. It's an all-fall storytelling show, and it's always a really good time. Uh, there's comedians not doing stand-up and other people trying other things. Uh, so come check that out. Um, I bl- judgment falls to me this episode, and I think because of the amount of other information... Uh, that uh, wasn't just the plane crash, uh, the plane crash or the disappearance. I'm going to cast my vote for Lizzie Wolfson's actual history. Um, and, but listeners, the vote is now open to you. Um, and I do want to give Zach credit for making me think about the Odyssey again, which I don't think I've actually done since eighth grade. <laughs> You know what? It was a long shot. I'll bet most people do not remember the Odyssey very well. I probably should have maybe just gone with an Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Maybe she sings a country song with uh, Buster Scruggs. (laughs) Well, thank you for voting for me Uh, and just enjoying my personality and not my facts because my facts were (laughs) really everywhere. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I felt like I'd like to have a beer with you, you know? Okay, that's a callback to a depressing election. Yeah, unlike uh, the modern elections. Yeah, that's true. That election uh, is perfectly 2018 cheery was not by bad. comparison. <laughs> but Zach, thank you. Yep. Uh, Lizzie, thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, for everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. Have a good time.